Father, I just thank you for the anointing. I thank you for utterance. Lord, I want to decrease and not let you increase. Father, if I mess it up in the saying, you fix it in the hearing. And I thank you for all the good that will happen in advance, Father, for us making course changes in our lives out of this. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, El Shaddai, part 19. And uh, working on the character of God. And again, here we go, Exodus 6. We had a week off from it last week, so we can go back at this. It won't be too bad. Well, after 19 weeks, Exodus 6 and verse 1. It says, The Lord said unto Moses, Now thou shalt see what I'll do to, to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he shall let him go, and with a strong hand he shall drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said, I'm the Lord. He said, I'm Jehovah. But I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, or El Shaddai. But by my name Jehovah, I was not known to them. And we saw last week, or two weeks ago, that Jacob, even though God changed his name to Israel and said, Thou shalt not be called Jacob anymore, you'll be called Israel. He kept going back to Jacob. He really wasn't all in with God. But God will use whoever he's got. Right? I mean, so... But it's funny that God's telling Moses, his testimony of Jacob, he's not calling him Israel. God out of his own mouth is saying, I was El Shaddai to Jacob, even though I changed his name to Israel. He's still calling him Jacob because that's where Jacob chose to live. And we're going to see that here where Jacob's life could have been a whole lot better had he stuck with Israel, being, you know, prince with God who has power and has prevailed. All right, so we know that El Shaddai, do we all know what that means? Almighty God who bountifully nourishes and supplies me with more than enough. Okay, more than enough, man, that's good. Not just enough, not less than enough, and not too much. I mean, you could drown in too much. Sometimes you feel like you're drowning in too much. People are like, well, when? Well, it'll catch up to you. When you do, then you'll know what happened. It's too much. People are like, I don't know. No, you'll see. God's over the top. Watch it. I mean, Joseph, top dog in the world. Is that not over the top? That's over the top, man. All right, so Genesis 43, we're going to back up because we've had a little break, right? So I want to get a run-ahead start and remember where we left the story off. Uh, we're going to pick up in Genesis 43, 24. This is where the brothers actually came back, and they brought Benjamin this time to get their food the second round. Okay? And uh, so and he told them, go over to my house, and we'll feed you over at the house. And they still don't know that he's Joseph. They don't know what's going on yet. They just know they're supposed to go over to the house. Round two. Here we go. That's where we pick it up. And the man, that's uh, Joseph's slave, his staff, or the head of the house, brought the men into Joseph's house, and he gave them water, and he washed their feet, and he gave their asses provender. I mean, he, he fed the animals. And they made ready to pres the present against Joseph, who came home at noon at lunchtime. So they had this present. Remember, Jacob told them, hey, pack all this stuff, and if we go down with El Shaddai, then we go down. But we're going with El Shaddai this time. He was Israel at that point. Okay, so they brought this present, and they're going to give it to him. And uh, they heard that they should eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand into the house, and they bowed themselves to the earth. And he asked of them of their welfare, and he said, Is your father well? The old man whom you spake of, is he still alive? And they answered, Thy servant, our father, is in good health. He is yet alive. And they bowed down their heads and made obeisance, or they worshipped. Dream number two, check, eleven of you bowing and worshipping me. Put the card back in his pocket. Got that one taken care of, right? Man, if it was me, I'd be like, "Aha! Dream number two! But no, he played it cool, right? He just like acted like nothing happened. And he lifted, he lifted up his eyes, and he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, "Is this your younger brother of whom you spake unto me?" And he said, "God be gracious unto thee, my son." And Joseph made haste, 
For his bowels did yearn upon his brother. He wanted to go tell him who he was, but he, he just couldn't keep it together. So he sought where he could go to weep. So he entered into his chamber. He went back to his bedroom, and he wept there. And uh, y- y'all ever do that and your face breaks out after you've been crying and all that? So what did he do? What all of us would do? He went and he washed his face in verse 31, and then he went back out. And he refrained himself. He got it back together. He washed his face, you know, and uh, came back out. And then he told him, let's have lunch. He s- said, set on the bread. And so they set on him... F- by himself, they put Joseph by himself at his table, and they had another table for the brothers. And they by themselves, for the Egyptians, which did eat bread with him by themselves, because the Egyptians would not eat bread with the Hebrews, for it's an abomination unto the Egyptians. That's hilarious. You know, no, no, we couldn't eat with you pigs. Get over there. Joseph's a Hebrew. He's playing this to the max, isn't he? He's, bringing, he's giving it the full core press. Y'all want to sell me into Egypt? All right, I'll give you Egypt. All right, so and then they stood, they sat before him. So what he did, he set out the seating arrangement. You know, he had that little Miss Etiquette book like Bev has on her coffee table. Only his wasn't out of date. And uh, and so they sat before the firstborn according to his birthright all the way to the youngest according to his youth. And now, you know, there's 11 of them, so he had to know all their ages and when they were. That's a big deal. You couldn't just guess that by looking at them, but, you know, and uh, because they're all real close in age. And they mar- the men marveled at one another. These knuckleheads, they still can't figure out that maybe... Uh, do I know you? They didn't even say that. They're, I mean, by this time, now he's setting them out from the oldest to the youngest, talking about their covenant God. The slave, remember, the slave told them about, you know, their covenant God. Hey, they still ain't got a clue. They're, I mean, not even, th- I mean, just totally blindsided. They have no clue that this is Joseph. I mean, how, how dumb can you get? It's been 22 years, but he was 17. It's not like he was like an infant. I mean, you know, he, come on, he ain't changed that much. Been all the brain cells they fried drinking up there at the sheep shearing shed. Remember that with Tamar? Yeah, well, how, well Andrew, I don't know. You've been saying a whole lot about this heavy drinking business. Well, watch this because I'm going to show you right here. These guys get hammered. It says, so in verse 34, he took and he sent them messes of their portions and he sent before them. But Benjamin's portion, Benjamin's five times as much as any of theirs. Remember, me and my kid brothers had that. His cake is bigger than mine. Why is his piece bigger than mine? So, well, I'm sure Benjamin got the you know the short end of the stick all that time. That Joseph was making up for lost time. He gave him five times as much bigger pieces of cake and all that stuff but to them. And look what happened. It says, and they drank. Now, the King James says this, and they were merry with him. In the Hebrew, it says, they drank largely with him. That open bar at the rich Egyptian's house, these boys were knocking it back, okay? They, they were just drank largely, it says in the Hebrew. Not a little bit, largely. They took full advantage of the open bar. Now let's hit Genesis 44 and verse 1. And he, Joseph, commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. Remember he did this last time. He put their money back into their uh, grain sacks. He said, and put my cup, the silver cup, you know, my favorite coffee mug. You know that one I drink out of every morning? He said, and put that in the mouth of the sack of the youngest with his corn and and his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. Now watch this. As soon as it was the morning light, the men were sent away. Ouch. These boys are hung over. It's crack of dawn, and they're kicking them out. Rushing them, they can't look where their gear is. They don't know if there's money in the sack. They don't know if there's a silver Joseph's favorite coffee mug in there. They don't know nothing. They're hung over and they're rushing them, giving them the bum rush. Get out of town. Go 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 go. It's like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. They drank largely the night before. Started at noon. 
Yeah. And when they finally, they got out the city in verse 4, they were not yet afar off. So they just made it past, you know. And uh, Joseph said unto his steward, Get up and follow after the men. And when you do overtake them, say this unto them, Wherefore have you rewarded evil for good? What? They're just minding their own business. They're having a good time drinking that. He said, well, what evil would Joseph is talking about? He's going to tell us here in a second, but what he lost was his favorite coffee mug. Remember when we said loss is evil? If you sustain any kind of loss is evil, Joseph lost his favorite coffee mug. That was evil. Y'all ever have your, look, Jack had his, his little blankie. You know what I mean? That little blankie thing he's had it since he was a baby. It's a rag now. He thought he lost it at the beach. Last night I had to pat him to sleep because he was crying so hard. Because it's just a rag, the blankie. That's evil. It was a loss. If I lost my favorite coffee mug, if I broke it, I'd be upset. Wouldn't you? Your favorite thing. You know that favorite thing that it can't be replaced? Even though it's really not worth anything to anybody? That's what happened here. But it's a setup. Okay? Dude is playing with them. Payback. Okay? So he says, Is it not, or is this cup not which my Lord drinks out of, and whereby indeed he divineth, you have done evil in so doing? Now that's the King James. Here's what he really says in Hebrew. It says, Not only does he drink out of this favorite coffee mug, but while he's drinking out of this favorite coffee mug, what he does is he contemplates the future. That's what the divination means. He diligently observes and contemplates the future. While he's having his Earl Grey tea or whatever in his mug, I hope they, the boys got all the granaries, you know, and that logistics system working good and everybody's getting fed and, we, and I hope there's no rats eating all the corn. And Right? He said, this is not good what you guys did. You understand? It's the, the magic, co- I mean, it's the lucky coffee mug. That's how this whole thing is working is because of the coffee mug. And you took it. It's not good. You've done evil in doing this. Now, I mean, it's just ridiculous. You, know, you should, I mean, these guys, watch how they react to that. I mean, it's a coffee mug for crying out loud. They have no clue that Joseph's messing with them. And so he overtook them and he spake these words to them. And they said unto him, Wherefore saith my Lord these words? God forbid that thy servants would do according to this thing. Behold, the money which we found in our sacks' mouths, we brought again to thee out of the land of Canaan. Remember last time they had that money? We said, we brought it back. We, did, we didn't try to rip you off last time. How then would we steal thy Lord's house of silver or gold? Why would we take gold or anything out of his house? We brought you the money back. We didn't have to bring that money back. We brought it back. Why would we steal from you? Now watch. These idiots didn't learn a thing from mama and daddy. With whomsoever thy servants it be found, both let him die, Mm-mm-mm. and we will also be my Lord's bondsmen. Y'all remember Jacob and Rachel? We ain't got your cheesy little gods laving. Whoever has them, let them die. Nine months later, Rachel's croaking. They didn't learn one thing. Here they go saying it but right out their mouth. Now, who would, be, who would die? Benjamin. Now you ben- Benjamin minding his own business. He didn't take the cup. Now, you boys just killed him. But watch Joseph's... Man, remember, remember Joseph's slave, his, his steward? He was telling them about the covenant when they walked in. He's don't fear, El Shaddai got you taken care of. I'm the one that put the money back in there. He knows more about this stuff than these kooks. And they're the patriarchs. Because look what he says. It says in the Hebrew, it says, Now also let it be according to your words. With whom it is shall be, whom it is found, it shall be my servant, and you shall be blameless. Now, was that their words? That's not their words. What that na- where it says, 
now also because I'm like, God, that's stupid. He said, look in the Hebrew. So I did. It says, this time, neither will it be according to your words. Where it says, now also, it says in the Hebrew, this time, neither. This time, neither shall it be according to your words. Now, how would he, what do you mean this time? You're telling me that, that Joseph, it was Joseph's mama that died. You don't think he's got a vested interest in knowing how it is that she died and figuring it out? And he's, you know he's tight with God. Because Pharaoh said the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, so I know that he's got rhema and that he's a prophet. Because the Spirit of the Lord ain't been mentioned since Genesis 1-1 when he was brooding, 1-2 when he was brooding over the earth. He taught, his, he, he taught his servant, his slave, you better watch what's coming out your mouth. Joseph's way more, way more advanced into this covenant than these other guys. Have no, he trades his slaves no more about it than these guys. He said, neither this time, neither will it be according to your words, but he with whom it is found shall be my servant and you shall be blameless. Boy, didn't we just dodge a huge bullet there. Don't be going around. And so here's your, listen, if you don't know, even no matter how sure you are about something, don't be making so silly statements about dying or getting sick or none of that. Don't let it come out of your mouth because if you turn around, it could be one of somebody that you didn't want that to happen on. These guys, they knew, and there ain't no way we took that. Just like Jacob knew, ain't no way Ray, you know, Rachel or any of his crew took that. These are covenant people. You don't know that. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. There's stuff you don't know, so be careful letting that stuff fly out your mouth. Could have just killed Benjamin, too. Fortunately, Joseph's slave knows more about this stuff than the covenant patriarchs. Mm-mm-mm. All right, so then they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground, and they opened up every sack. And he searched, and he began at the eldest. Now, this guy's the one who put the coffee mug in there. I know, I'll start at the oldest and work down. He knows where it is. He knows it's the last one. But the, the drama has to build, you know. And uh, this is a payback of Joseph's getting them back pretty good because they're freaking out. I mean, they're freaking out. Because you remember, Jacob didn't want Benjamin to go back down there. Remember all that? And Judah said, no, I'll be sure the blame will be on me forever. And Reuben said, you can kill my kids if we don't bring him back. And all. Remember all that? Yeah, it's hitting the fan right now. I mean, they should have just known that Benjamin's got it. I mean, they should have known. I mean, you should have seen it coming a mile away. They're already going for it. They go there. Remember Jacob? Doubtless he's torn into pieces. Immediately they go for the worst thing. They should have just known it was Benjamin. Just go look at his. You know it's him. Huh? We do the same thing. Go immediately to the worst thing. So he searched and began at the eldest and left at the youngest, down to the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Aha! And they rent their clothes. Well, now Benjamin's taken into custody, right? Because he's going to be the bondservant. So they quick, they laid it up every man as they put all their stuff back on and they ran back to the city. They returned to the city. And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house. For he was still there. He ain't going to work yet. It's still early in the morning. Remember, they got him out of crack of dawn, got outside the city. This all happening before Joseph leaves for work. But I'll bet you he's upset because he didn't have his coffee in that favorite mug of his. That's what kicked this thing off for real. But so they go right to his house. And what they do? They fell down on the ground before him. And Joseph said unto him, What deed is this that you have done? What you not? Don't you know that such a man as I can certainly divine? Don't you people know I have intel sources? Did you think you were going to get away with stealing my cup plus your money? I know stuff. Do you know who I am? Information finds me. I can't believe you people thought you were going to get away with that. That's what he's saying. 
Now watch the groveling begin. And Judah said, What shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? How shall we clear ourselves? Well, you ain't. Now watch this. It says, God, Elohim. He didn't call him El Shaddai. He called him Elohim. He said, Elohim hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Now you all remember what iniquity is? Iniquity is being predisposed towards evil. Remember the evil list? Predisposed towards affliction. Predisposed towards adversity. Predisposed towards exceeding great grief. Predisposed towards harm. Predisposed towards sorrow, trouble. These guys had an entire lifestyle of evil. Everywhere they went, they were a train wreck. Do you remember Shechem? Remember, oh, got them all to circumcise themselves? Was there some affliction there in that city? Was there some loss and some exceeding great grief when uh, there's no more daddies or uncles or grandpas or brothers around in the town anymore? These guys are predisposed to go do evil. This is your covenant patriarchs. He said, God found it out. Well, God's a little slow on the uptake, don't you think? You guys have been at it for about 25 years. Be blaming it off on God. No, he's just coming to the realization now that they've been predisposed towards evil. Don't be like them and wait till it's out. You think that you got no, I mean, have no shot at getting out of this. They're toast. They're in a foreign land and they're at this guy's mercy and they got nowhere to go. And now all of a sudden you'd be like, ooh, you know, we've been kind of like predisposed towards the evil list. God just found that out. No, God knew it all along. He's trying to tell you not to the whole time. Don't wait until you're totally up against it and it's over for you to realize that, hey, we shouldn't have been predisposed towards that evil list. Don't wait till crunch time. Man, I'm all for nipping it in the bud. See, I get off the evil list now, then I don't have to get to this point and go, boy, I really should have not been too late now. That's what he, in his mind, see, he don't know that Joseph's playing with him. He don't know it's a trick. In his eye, his life is over. He said, behold, we are my Lord's servants. Watch how many times he'd be calling, I'm your servant, and I'm, oh, I, yeah. I'm your slave, I'm your servant, oh, calls him Lord, and not watch this, man. He's just buttering, I mean, just trying to slick talk. Both we, and he also whom the cup was with you is found, and he, Joseph, said, God forbid that I would do that, that you all would be my servants. No, God forbid, but only the man in whose hand the cup is found. He shall be my servant. As for the rest of you, get up and go into peace unto your father. No, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't keep you all slaves, just the one. The rest of you can go. Well, where's Judah going to go? He already said, kill my boys. I'm surety. Oh, that's not an acceptable option for Judah, is it? No. So Judah came near to him. Judah gets a little closer. And he said, Oh, my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears. Let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. I mean, that's a true statement. You've got the juice to get us out of this. Could I just come please? Let me plead my case before you. Uh, he said, now watch this. He's still talking to Joseph. He said, my Lord asked his servants, saying, have you a father or a brother? Did Joseph ever ask that? Do you remember? He didn't ask that. They told that story to Jacob and lied to Jacob about, oh, he asked, do you have a father and brothers? No, they offered it. Oh, we're all of the same band of brothers, and one's dead, and what, remember that? They're doing that sob story. Joseph didn't ask. They just offered all that information up. Listen, you could tell a lie so many times as a George Costanza lie. It ain't a lie if you believe it. 
Old boy's going to sit here and tell this lie to whom the guy the lie's about. You asked us, did you have a fight? No, he didn't. He believes it so much, he told the lie so many times, he believed it so good, that he'll even repeat the lie to the person the lie's about and be completely sincere and think that that guy said it. I know ministers, I know politicians, and I know business people live right here. It wasn't just Bill Clinton. If you believe it, it ain't a lie. This guy believed whatever it is that he was, the story he was concocting to his daddy. No wonder his faith can't work. You can't be in covenant like that. How could you be all in with God when you tell a lie and you believe it yourself and then you be telling, I mean, and now it's the truth. If, the, if a lie is your truth, there's no way you can actually believe the truth because you're believing lies. That's why I'd be careful about lying. In verse 20, And we said unto my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one. And he's 32. And one brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth him. Man, he's got so much admixture of what is false mixed in with this story that is true, it's ridiculous. Oh, he's a little one? There he is right there. He don't look like... I mean, I know the difference between a 5-year-old little one and a 32-year-old. These guys are so screwed in the head. I, covenant patriarchs, whatever your issues are, they're not that big. God can use you too, not a problem. Hallelujah. So don't let that stuff weigh you down. Don't you let it weigh you down. Guilt ain't from God. Inadequacies aren't a good. God says, I'm strong when you're weak. Whatever your weakness is, say, great. It means God can be strong. Don't you let it weigh you down. And he said unto the servants in verse 21, Bring him down unto me that I may set my eyes on him. And so we came unto, we said unto my Lord, The lad, remember Benjamin 32, The lad cannot leave his father. For if he should leave his father, and his, fa- his father would die. And you said unto your servants, Except your youngest brother come down with you, you shall see my face no more. And it came to pass, when we came up to thy servant, my father, we told him all the words of my Lord, and our father said, Go again and buy us a little food. And we said, We can't go down if our youngest brother be not with us. Then we will go down if he's with us, and we may not see the man's face except our younger brother be with us. Now, does Joseph care about all this? What, what is all this? He's filibustering. He is trying to, I mean, talk this guy and weasel and cut and scam. And do you see him calling out to God? If Joseph had tried this when he got thrown into slavery, he would have never made it in Potiphar's house. He would have never been at the top of prison and he would have never been where he is right now because really nobody cares about your little sob story and all your half-truths and all that. If there's somebody that's telling you all that and weaving a good tale, run. Run from these people. They'll all have their little fish on their little, I'm a Christian, run from them. If they've got to tell you up front, run. It's all admixture of what's false. They're scamming you. That's what this guy's doing. He's trying to work an angle. And thy father, and my, thy servant, my father, said unto us. He keeps using this flowery language, and oh, you're greater than me, and oh, I'm just your humble. You know, and, but said unto us, that you know my wife bare me two sons, and the one went out from me, and surely he is torn into pieces. And I saw him not since. Now this is funny to me because here's Judah telling Joseph's story to Joseph. Oh, and he was torn to pieces. Really? Hmm. He was torn to pieces? And you never saw him again. 
I mean, the level that this guy is taking it, I mean, it's just, you know, gets in deeper. and That has nothing to do with anything, does it? Why would you even bring that up? We already have one killed. Don't take the other one. He ain't killed. You fixing to find out. He said, and if you take this also from me and mischief will befall him, you'll bring down gray hairs on my head and bring me sorrow to the grave. Now, therefore, when I come to thy servant, my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, it shall come to pass, and when he sees the lad's not with us, that he will die. See, he just keeps double-talking and double-talking, the lad's not with us, and then when he sees the lad's not with us, the lad doesn't be with us. Dude, just snip it. And thy servants will bring down the gray hairs on thy servant's head of thy father, and the sorrow to thy grave for thy sorrow. My, thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, I shall bear the blame of my father forever. Finally, we get to the bottom line. All that, all these people, they know they're going to be, really, it's on me. Finally, we got to that part, because I'm going to be to blame. See, we went through like half a chapter of this and that, and oh, that poor person, that sorry. And, and he finally got to a part where, well, because I'm responsible. I'm surprised he even got to that point. He might have just left that out. Did I mention my brother that got torn to pieces when he was a kid? He's just torn up. Yeah. Oh, boy. Verse 33. Now, therefore, I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman. Now he gets a lightning flash. I know. I'll stay in his stead. Instead of the lad, a bondman unto my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brethren. For how shall I go up to my father, and the lad be not with me? Lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come from my father, the exceeding great grief that will come on my father. Look, here, here's Judah. He finally gets a lightning flash in his mind. He's like, if I go up there with that Benjamin, Daddy's going to kill me. I might as well stay here and be a slave. That guy looks like he's doing pretty good. You send Benjamin back, at least I'm, my skin is saved. Hey, how about that deal? Trade me for him? Verse, uh, chapter uh, 45, verse 1. See, at this point, Joseph had had enough. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known to his brethren. He's like, alright, we played this out long enough. I can't stand it anymore. I'm going to reveal myself who I am to you. So he, all the servants, all the staff, all the cooks, the butlers, the chefs, the you know his bodyguards, because remember he had the, the, all the people that yelled bell down, all, all the logistics, all the people, the scribes, all, everybody out. And how many know all those people were like listening at the door? Something's got Joseph all cranked up. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. No, so the house of Pharaoh's Pharaoh's staffers, his cabinet members are all over there, Joseph, because they're doing whatever he says. They were outside the door, and they all heard it. And all the Egyptians that were outside, they heard it. Heard him crying. How you know his secret service team is ready to kick the door in? Why is our protectee weeping? About to kill me some Hebrews. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Does my father yet live? Because you know what? All that stuff you've been feeding me is a line and I know it. Now tell me the truth. Is daddy still alive? I know you told me three times he is, but I can't believe nothing you all have been saying because this whole tale that you just, I know it ain't the truth. Is daddy still alive? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Pucker factor. It's the old crap moment. We're busted. I just told about Joseph getting torn up. What? They could say nothing. 
22 years they've been playing this lie out. They believed it. They believed that Joseph was torn. I mean, so that that's the story they're sticking to it. They've been rehearsing it for 22 years, and they'll even tell Joseph to his face that he got torn up. And, uh, and now, uh-oh. Well, what are you going to say to that? The gig's up, guys. You're screwed. Because that thing you've been hiding for 22 years with Daddy in his boxers and all my... Gra- How are you going to tell him Joseph's alive? You you think... Uh, well, I, we sold him into slavery, Daddy. That ain't going to go over too good at family dinner, is it? After 22 years, you know, we brought the coat back. You tell if it's your sons or not. You remember that? Oh, look at this over here. Numbers. Now, my mom and dad used to tell me this when I was growing up. Chapter 32. Now, Moses is telling this second generation that are fixing to go into their inheritance, not the ones that blew it, the next generation that are going in, Look what he tells them. He says, Moses said unto them, If you will do this thing, if you will go armed before the Lord to war, if you're going to go in there, you'll go into war and you'll go into the battle, and all you will go over armed over Jordan before the Lord until he hath driven out his enemies before him and the land be subdued before the Lord, then afterward you shall return and be guiltless before the Lord. He said, Once you're in your inheritance, you better act right, you better be guiltless, do all. You better be innocent, be guiltless before the Lord. After you're rich and you're in your inheritance, even if you obeyed Him, after you get there, He said, and Israel, before Israel, that means not just before the Lord, but before all the congregation, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you will not do so, if you won't be guiltless before Him, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, be sure your sin will find you out. He said, it'll look like you're getting blessed because you came in and you did you did the inheritance thing. You fought the battle. The land was subdued before you. You took your cities and now you're doing and you're in it and you're living it and you're rich and you and everybody look how blessed they are. But if you if, if you're not guiltless, go ahead and start, you know, not using it for kingdom money. Go ahead and start, you know, getting into adultery. Go ahead and start doing whatever it is. He said, it'll look like you're being blessed to everybody. But guess what? Your sin will find you out. It took them 22 years. And that word sin here is not miss the mark. That's the word offense, a crime. Really could have been translated, your crime will find you out. Not where you just settled and missed the mark. My mom and dad used to tell me that. Your sin will find you out. Guess what? It's true. People look like they're getting away with something. These guys got away with this for 22 years. This is a big deal. Had to go back and tell daddy and Leah. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, we've been keeping, you know, keeping this secret a long time. They, they, every, like, TV drama on TV has one of these, you know, skeleton in the closet deals. Shocking revelation. It ain't new. It ain't nothing Hollywood thought up. Covenant patriarchs did. They were the first ones breaking this ground. Well, of course they were troubled at his presence and they couldn't speak. In verse 4, So Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. No closer, a little more. I mean, I'd be afraid to go over there, wouldn't you? You know what you did to him. Well, the axe is fixing to fall on my neck now. 
And he said, no, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. You know that part you left out. You said that I was torn to pieces by some wild... No, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. That's me. Now he's giving him more information because he's not just, you know, I'm the guy that got torn into pieces. He's giving him information that nobody else on the planet knows but these cats. How many know that's not helping them be at ease any? I like this. He said, now therefore be not grieved. Oh, and don't be angry with yourselves. It's all right. He said that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Now, I've got to stop here for a second. Because my denominational background is that, see, God sent Joseph into slavery, put him into prison so that he could elevate him to being the prime minister, just so they could save their life. God had all that bad stuff happen to Joseph so that he could be in the position to have this good stuff happen. That ain't true. God did send him to Egypt. How many know, if you're Elohim, creator of the universe, do you think maybe there's more than one way to get Joseph to be prime minister and it doesn't necessarily have to be through prison and slavery? How arrogant is it for anybody to think, well, God made me... Because God is good. Everything that He created is very good. There is no evil in Him. And it says, over, He said, the Lord don't tempt anybody with evil. He doesn't test anybody with evil. And neither is the Lord tested by anybody with evil. Evil, the Zoe life of God, evil can't be in His presence. Oh, why would you blame God off on Him engineering evil? Yet we do it all the time. I don't mean we, us, in, in here. I mean we, the body of Christ. Look over in Genesis 50. Look, We looked at this verse the other day in, in uh, well, I don't know when it was. That all runs together after a while. It was during the Good and Evil series. Joseph says what? Remember they came to him? We'll get to this. We won't get to the whole story because it's fun. We'll get to it another Friday night. But Genesis 50:20. He said, but as for you, you thought evil against me, talking to his brothers. But God meant, remember that word meant means to plate or fold back. But God folded it back unto good to bring to pass this day to save much people alive. What you meant for evil, what you thought for evil for me, God folded it back. God didn't engineer the evil. God folded it back to good. So whatever evil you come to, and don't be like God because God didn't put the evil on you, but he is working double overtime to fold it back for your good. You know, and how did how did that happen? You know, mm, it was all on Joseph, whether he stayed in evil or he hooked up with God and it was folded back for good. Because look over in Proverbs 21. Oh, we're off to the races now. Proverbs 21 and verse 1. The king's heart, who's a king? You better say, I am. Right, I am. I'm a king. You're a king. You're a king. You're a king. You're a king. If you're born again, you're a king. And a priest. We're going to teach on that because I don't think we really know. I mean, we we talked more on the king, but we're still kind of we hadn't even touched on the priest part of it. But you're a king. It says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithsoever way he will. So look. What God will do is he'll take your heart if you're hooked because Joseph was hooked up with God. So what God will do is turn his heart to, towards good. And then you hit evil here. And then God will turn it towards good and fold it back this way. And then he'll fold it back this way. And it'll be like a river that cuts through rock. And the river don't go straight. 
Y'all never said you guys ever been whitewater rafting or anything? It's not even it ain't even straight up and down vertical. It's it's always going down and then rocks and up and it and back and forth. God says he'll take your heart and he'll cut it back and forth, always folding it back towards the good. If you'll cooperate with him and go with it, he'll fold you back and it'll look and I look back at my life and I can see it's going here and here and here and to get to this point right now where I'm standing right here. A lot of evil on the way. Was that evil his choice? Nope. That was me. Or somebody that was, you know, thinking evil towards me and setting me up. But he always folded it back towards good. Why? Because I kept going after him. And you're his king. He's got his heart right in your hand, in his hand, and he'll he'll help you fold it back towards good. That's why he said choose good. Because when you choose good and you go with good, he'll fold it back and you'll head in that direction. Look over in Proverbs 3. See, notice he didn't say that he'll make you he'll make your way like the river. He said he'll take your heart like the river. He'll make your heart like the river. He'll bend your heart. He ain't bending circumstances. Did you see that? He's bending you through the circumstances. God ain't changing circumstances. He's changing you and he'll fold you back and lead you through the minefield. It's like a river. Y'all ever, I, I got military training. When you go through a minefield, when they set up a minefield, you can't just walk straight through it. If you even knew where the mines were, you'd go over here, and then to the left a step, three steps forward, right a step, back one step, over what, right one step forward. That's what God will do. He's doing that with your heart. He's not changing circumstances. What he'll do is he'll guide you through the circumstances. That's what it says here in Proverbs 3 and verse 6. In all your ways, that's, that's that minefield, that's your roads, that's your circumstances. The way is your course of life. In your course of life, acknowledge him. That word acknowledge means intimately know him. Not just acknowledge him. Oh, yeah, there's God. No, intimately know him. And he shall direct your path. That's what the Holy Spirit does, the guide. Be not wise in their own eyes. Because look, fear the Lord and depart from evil. Remember what fear the Lord is? Hate evil. And what? When you fear the Lord and you hate evil and you hook up with Him and you let Him manipulate you through all these circumstances, what happens? It, verse 8, shall what? Be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. That ain't the Word it's talking about. He's not mentioning the Word of God anywhere in there because, oh, the Word of God is healthy. No. You letting God manipulate your heart and you refuse evil, you hate evil, and you go with Him and you let Him direct you, it's health to you. On all areas of life. Finances, physical, emotional, mental, socially, with relationships. Because He knows where all the mines are. He knows what the storms are. He knows what the, the way, and He'll cut it just like a river back and forth, and He'll cut you right through it. You hang with Him, and you let Him manipulate your heart, and he'll turn you back and fold it back towards good, you come with him. And he'll fold it back this way and you come with him. You don't. Uh, it's not a straight shot, and you really have no way you know where you're going. That's why, you ever seen those movies, what was that movie? It was uh, the Whitewater Rafting, and I, Meryl Streep, she was the river guide, and Kevin Bacon was in it. River runs through it. River, whatever. They needed a guide. These guys are making their living being the river guide. That's the Holy Spirit. He's your river guide. Hook up with him. He knows where all the bends are. He knows where the rapids are. He ain't changing the river. 
He'll guide you through it, though. That's what Joseph did here. He said, guys, don't be angry with yourselves. Because remember, he t- his kid Manasseh, God calls me to forget all my toil and my father's house. He ain't mad at them. He's really not. Because he knows, that, yeah, God got me here through that river, that minefield. He didn't send me to slavery. He didn't send me to prison, but he sure did send me here. And because I hooked up with him in all those other places, he got me here. Okay, back to Genesis 45. And verse 6. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Top guy on the planet. Watch this. How long has the famine been in the land? How long ago was Joseph sent there? 22 years. How long has Joseph been prime minister of Egypt? Seven years of good? Two years of bad? Nine years already. He's the top dog. Israel and his boys, Israel, covenant, Israel, you know that guy, covenant patriarchs, for two years. Now, they were they wealthy? They were wealthy. Did they have lack? You bet they had lack. Jacob said, why are we sitting here looking at each other? They got food in Egypt. Go down there. Covenant people with lack. Wait a minute, I thought El Shaddai, God was more than enough. How could covenant people be sitting there for two years with no food? They had money to buy food, they just didn't have anywhere to buy it from. There's no bylo there. There was no how could that happen? I thought they were in covenant. I thought El Shaddai, God that's more than enough. How for two years could they be in lack? They weren't going after God. You're exactly right, Eric, because you know what? The provision was in place for nine years. Before that, it was in place nine years before they found themselves two years into lack. Wasn't it? Man, oh, Shevich, you've got to be kidding me. If just one time one of these kooks had said, God, what's the deal? He would have told them with a time. I mean, hey, going down to Egypt, I sent Joseph down there. He's already prime minister. They could have been there the first year, like three days after Joseph was prime minister, and been living large. You don't think God would have told them that? Absolutely he would have told them. These idiots, they stumble bunny into it by accident. Covenant patriarch. Listen, when we're in lack, it ain't because of God. He's already made the provision. It's standing by. Father, show me the plan. How do I get there and hook up with that? He's already made the provision. It's been the, it's, that's why it's provision. Pro means beforehand, vision seeing. He saw beforehand and he hooked it up. Nine years before they stumbled into it. I bet I God was El Shaddai. Banging his head on the wall. Oh yeah, this is Israel. I should have went with Esau. Oy vey! He's in his boxers for crying out loud, crying over a kid that never did die. If he just asked me that, I would have told him. Now I know why God's telling Moses, Moses, I was El Shaddai to Jacob, not Israel. 
Because if you'd been Israel, Israel would have been down there already. He would have been out of his boxers, and they would have been eating large and living good a lot longer than having at least two years of lack and 22 years of grief. It just kept getting worse. Oh, hallelujah, that's enough of that. Verse 9 of Genesis 45. Here's Joseph, he said, Haste ye, go up to my father, and you say to him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord over Egypt, come down unto me and tarry not. Now how many know he can't trust them to go home and tell Jacob that? Do you think that, because if they go home and they say, Hey, Joseph's lord over Egypt. Uh, really, let's back that up a little bit, shall we? Oh, let's back it up. Yeah, the one whose coat you brought to me that you've been saying all these years has ran into pieces. That Joseph? Uh, uh-huh. And he's in charge of Egypt. Uh-huh. How did he get to Egypt? Well, let's back up to the part where the coat got blood on it. Right? It's not a happy day for the... You know, these guys ain't going home to tell him that. But he's trying. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. Y'all ever heard of Goshen? Ha. And thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children and thy children's children, and thy flocks and thy herds and all that thou hast. And there will I nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. How long were they supposed to be in Goshen? Five years. Not 435 years. Five years. Then you can get off the Joseph welfare wagon. They didn't. Now, you see the covenant patriarchs, how into their covenant they were? doesn't surprise me that they lasted there for 435 years. They went 22... Israel... 22 years without hearing from God, Ramah. If Israel, the Israel, you know, the Israel, went 22 years without even seeking God or hearing from God, it don't surprise me that third, fourth, fifth, and sixth generation didn't bother either. Now I've got to look at this, one, this second half of this verse. If they didn't come down there, if they, did you, do you understand that this whole setup was El Shaddai's special breast milk formula for Israel and his kids. That whole plan was for them. It ain't for us. We don't live now. It was for them. Had they not hooked up with their special keen and edgy plan, special formula from God from El Shaddai, and hooked up to that nozzle, look what, jo- what would have happened. This is what Joe said. Lest what? Thy household and all thou hast... And you, what? Come to what? All of them. Dead. And in poverty. Complete lack. Would have squandered every bit of wealth, all the the riches that Abraham got from those nine cities. Plus, remember when he pimped out his wife and he got all that Egypt wealth. Oh, and then the Philistines. And remember that hundredfold return that Isaac got and he waxed great and all that. Then all Laban's stock, all added up for Egypt, gone. If they didn't keep continually hooking up to that nozzle from El Shaddai. He said, all that you have will become to nothing. 
if you don't hook up with God's plan and you stay on it. And you stay on it and you stay on it and you stay on it. Listen, when you come into your inheritance, it ain't time to take the pack off. El Shaddai's plan, that's the beginning of it. And you've got to keep staying with that plan, even if it means you've got to pack up and go to Egypt. How many know that? That didn't. Psh. What? I'm good here, God. Thanks. I got my inheritance. Uh-huh. You'll come to poverty. You find that special mix that's for you, and you hook onto that nozzle, and you don't let go. Don't let go of that thing. That's your lifeblood. Verse 12. And behold, your eyes see, your eyes see, and the eyes of Benjamin, my brother, they can see that it is my mouth that is speaking to you. You got it? Go home and tell Daddy that. It's getting pretty, pl- I mean, you know. My mouth, you can see, my mouth My mouth is moving. No ventriloquist is not spinning. You go home and you tell him that. And then you tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, all my wealth and my entourage. Remember those guys I kicked out? And you tell him about my commerce, all the selling you, buying and selling, all my military power. And you tell him all my advantages and privileges and all my superiority, all that. You go home and tell him that. Remember glory? So you go home and tell my father that. And all that you have seen, you tell him that. And you shall haste and bring down my father to me. You shall haste and bring my father down. Are you reading me? See, he ain't being nice about it. He's telling them what they're going to do. All right, this is what you're going to do. Okay, then I had enough of dressing him down. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and he wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. So they're hugging and they're kissing. Moreover, he kissed all of his brethren and wept upon them. And after they had this Oprah reunion, uh, then his brothers talked with him. But only until they did the Oprah part. They didn't talk to him until they had the crying and the hugging and the kissing. Now they could talk. And the fame thereof, thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come. Now watch this. It pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. Joseph has some serious favor. Not just Pharaoh's favor, because, I mean, you know, there's a lot of guys that are near the top or at the top that the top guy likes them because they suck up. But nobody under him likes them. All the people under him like Joseph. They're like, hey, Joseph's brothers are here. Isn't that great? They love Joseph from top to bottom. This guy living his covenant. Favor, remember that? Well favored. He's well favored from the top to the bottom. How many know one of Pharaoh's servants was Potiphar? Remember that guy? Head of the Secret Service detail? Joseph got over some stuff. His brothers, Potiphar. I love this guy. To have all the servants be happy for you. Not just your boss, which is really not even his boss. He made him his equal. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, so he called, Pharaoh calls him and says, Look, say unto your brethren, This do ye, laid all your beasts, so load up all the, load up all the trucks, boys, and go and get you out of the land of Canaan. Go ahead, load them up and go. He said, and then take your father and your households and come back unto me. And I will give you the good of the land of Egypt. And you shall eat the fat of the land. Now thou art commanded. I like this. This guy's commanding them. He's going to make them rich. Do this. Take wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones. Look, you guys take some Cadillacs and some town cars, because I know, you know, those Hummers are a rough ride for the kids and the wives. So you take these, these luxury vehicles, 
and for your little ones and your wives. And then you bring your father and you come. Also, regard not your stuff. He said, look, leave all that trash. Don't, don't even bring one thing of it. He said, why? Because all the good of the land of Egypt is yours. You'll have the finest stuff on the planet. I'll give it to you. That, look, I'm giving you the luxury. I ain't sending no moving vans. You understand? Leave all that garbage there and come here and I'll give you the best stuff that the planet has to offer. That, that's my kind of move. Man, you don't even regard. Be like, see ya. Hey, just leave it. Just get in the get in the get in the luxury vehicle that I get. Just get in it and just leave it. Everything. Just let it let it go. Just forget about. It. Whoop! Best of the planet has to offer. It's all yours over here. Don't add. Just gone. Cause you know, I mean, if you have the very best at the planet, do you care about your credit rating? Foreclose that baby. I don't care. I'm gone. I don't care about the car. Look what I'm driving in now. And I got a nice yacht waiting for me over there. It don't matter. Take it. I don't care. That's good stuff. Sound like El Shaddai to me. And the children of Israel did so. Well, they find, look, now they're Israel again. Hey, well, let's get over this covenant thing. It looks good. Finally, you have rocket scientists. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh, and he gave them provision for the way. And to all of them, he gave each man a change of raiment, so he gave them each a new change of clothes. And, but to Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver, you know, in case there was any Starbucks on the way, he could get some snacks, and, and five changes of raiment. And to his father, he sent after this manner. Now, he's really helping the boys out here, because what he's going to do is send this giant bunch of booty to daddy. That'll kind of, you know, ease the pain of, hey, Joseph's alive. We forgot to tell you something. But look at all this great stuff. Um, bracelet? Did you all sell Joseph into slavery? Um, stuff? And so he laded ten asses with the good things of Egypt. Now, that was animals. That wasn't his ten brothers. And, and, and ten she-asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father, by the way. And so he sent his brethren away, and they departed, and he said unto him, now look at it. He says, he says, see that you fall out not by the way. He said, look, don't you guys get in any arguments. Don't get in any fights. Don't get in any riots. Look, don't fall out of the way. Look, you guys go straight there. Do not pass go. Do not collect 200. I know how y'all are. Just go straight there. That, I mean, he knows how these guys are. Don't be stopping off at your favorite watering hole. None of that. And they went up out of Egypt and they came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he's governor over all the land. And stuff! And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. Well, it took him a long enough time to not believe his kids. Maybe he should have done that on the front end. And they told him all the words of Joseph. And they said unto him, when he saw all the stuff the wagons which Joseph sent to carry him. And the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. This guy has been a corpse, dead man walking for 22 years. He immediately went to evil when he got the coat, and he stayed there for 22 years. What a waste of life. He checked out on God, checked out on his covenant, checked out on his family, checked out on life. What a shame.
But look, he got rid of that. Because in the very next verse it says, And Israel, he's back on the covenant camel again, said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I'll go and see him before I die. I really I left out a lot of stuff. I would have loved to see what, hear the dialogue, how they explained where Joseph came from and all that in between. Because it says his father didn't believe him. Well, of course not. Because now I know that you've been lying to me for the last 22 years. How can I believe anything you say now? And he finally got on the plan. Israel finally got back on the plan. The El Shaddai plan was more than enough instead of being in lack. And you know, during that tw- the last two years, they didn't have any food. But that first 20, they had wealth, they had provision, and yet he was still miserable. He was in grief and he was not living El Shaddai in every area of his life. He was, God wasn't more than enough to him in any area, but he had his finances taken care of. You know what that tells me? Financial part of it, very small. It's big for us right now because we don't have what what they had in their hand. When we have it in our hand, you'll find out that that's a very small part of it. It's kind of like with marriage. When you're dating, you think sex and marriage is going to be the big part. It's really very small compared to everything else. It's the icing on the cake because if you don't have communication, if you don't have you know, that friendship, if you don't have all that, it means zip. Same thing with finances. If you don't have all the other stuff where God's El Shaddai in every other area of your life, finances ain't going to help you get it there. So while we're going there, let's get El Shaddai in every other area that we can on the way. And then when we get there, it'll be Joseph. Because Joseph's finances came after 13 years. He did prosper on the way, so he was just successful at what he did, but he didn't hit pay dirt, Right? Until 13 years, his ship didn't come in. You know what I'm saying? I mean, where he had massive amounts of wealth and power at his command. But what he did is all that other stuff on the way so that when he got there, he could handle all that power and all that wealth and all that glory at his command. And did you know it wasn't for Joseph? Who was it for? The rest of the covenant people. It was for all the covenant people. It wasn't just for Joseph. Was Joseph taken care of out of it? Absolutely. That was byproduct, though. He was on a mission, like the Blues Brothers, right? On a mission from God. You know, the penguin slapping him around. Serious. I mean, he was on a mission from God. He got bonus. I mean, his byproduct of him doing the mission was that he, he got to enjoy all that. It wasn't for him, though. It was for all the covenant people that they would have a posterity, that the covenant line would continue. Same thing with us. That the covenant would, and it really was so that the covenant could, could increase. That's why I said you'd have a posterity, that we would increase in the covenant. Same thing with our inheritance. We'll increase. That's our, that's our posterity. The more people that we bring into the kingdom, the covenant gets bigger on our watch. We enlarge the covenant on our watch. Do you know God places here for right now? I was thinking about it on the way over today. I'm like, it wasn't for ni- not 1995, not 1999. No, 2005, 2006, 2006. Right now, the new millennium. Really, it's the end of the whole deal. We're at the end. Really, we're on borrowed time. We, we are. We're on borrowed time. 
God picked us for right now. Man, I don't want to fumble the ball. I don't want it to go by me, but, well, that was nice. Well, I missed it. No. Let's do some exploits. If these guys, I mean, Joseph pulled it off with none of this stuff written, and he was surrounded by idiots. I mean, and then when he wasn't surrounded by idiots of his own covenant, his own religion, he was surrounded by pagan idiots. And he still pulled it off. So we don't have an excuse. We could do it. We got, he didn't have the Holy. He had the Holy Spirit upon him. He didn't have the Holy Spirit in him. We got the Holy Spirit in us, and it's available for him to be upon us. He wasn't a king and a priest. We are. Man, we got. We got. We should have this thing licked. So I'm not. I'm not caving. I ain't buckling. I'm finding that nozzle that's for me, and I'm hooking onto it, and I'm going on with whatever El Shaddai's plan is for us. All right, stand to your feet with me. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. Seal it in our hearts. Thank you for being such a good God. Thank you for being a God that's more than enough in every area of life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it, Father. And we appreciate that you're always looking out for us. That you made the provision years in advance. Help us. Holy Spirit, come teach us and help us and guide us to hook us right to where it is. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.